All right, we're going to get started tonight. Good to see you out this evening. We appreciate you so very much uh, being in the service tonight. I know it's cold out there. A lot of you's worked all day, uh, but we appreciate you uh, coming out tonight, being in the service. And a good to see Brother Sam and Steve back. Sheila, we're going to ask uh, Steve if he would lead us in a word of prayer. Amen. Good to be back in the Lord's house, amen. amen. Been trying to pray this week about the revival coming up next week, looking forward to it. And you know, I was, I've been thinking a lot this week, and I don't know that a big national revival in our, will ever see that, I don't know. Um, I don't know that our state will ever see a revival, and I'm not so sure our county will ever see a revival But I hadn't found anywhere in the Word of God that we can't experience revival in the local church and in the hearts of His people. So I've been praying especially that that we just really truly experience revival next week within this church and within my own personal heart. And then I think if I get on fire for God and I get close to you and you get on fire for God, you get on fire for God, then it'll spread out, amen. So I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it and seeing what the Lord might do next week, amen. If you will take your church hymn, knowing if you can, and will stand with us. Turn to page 113, 113. Glory to His name. Down at the cross where my Savior died Down where for cleansing from sin I cried There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to My heart was a blood applied. Glory to His name. I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where He took me in. Glory to His name. Glory to His name, glory to His name, there to my heart was a blood applied, glory to His name. Third verse, O precious fountain that saves from sin. I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. 
heart was a blood applied. Glory to His name. Fourth verse. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was a blood applied. Glory to His name. Amen. All right. Thank you. You can be seated. Again, good to see those that have been, uh, I guess, sick, maybe out. The James Linda, and uh, glad to see them back. Sister Tammy back there on the back. There's uh, several here tonight uh, that has been uh, under the weather, brother. Stay uh, some others, so uh, we're glad you're better, and uh, we prayed you'd get better, and prayed we wouldn't get what you got. And uh, so far, the Lord's answered both of them. Uh, amen. All right. Let me. Uh, uh, we moved the table back here for because of the Christmas decorations and uh, uh, all the tithing envelopes and uh, other stuffs back there on that table in the corner. There's also a paper back there for our Christmas uh, fellowship supper on December the 14th on Wednesday night. Uh, I moved the time again, and I, I, I tell you why I'm doing that. Uh, because uh, some people told me they couldn't come if we had it later. So I was trying to find a time where that uh, some of the uh, older people could uh, still come if they wanted to. And uh, But if you'll sign that back there, if you're planning on coming, it's going to be at 5 o'clock uh, on Wednesday night at the Fellowship Hall, uh, December the 14th. And uh, we'll have a meal and uh, just fellowship, and then uh, we won't, we'll, there won't be no service that night. Uh, down here so uh, if you'd sign that that helps us know how much uh, food that we need to uh, we need to get if you do that you know one of the things we support is Liberty Council uh, Matt Staver and it's probably probably one of the better things that we support all that we support is good but Matt Staver uh, is founder and chairman of Liberty Council and uh, boy, he's won several cases in the last year uh, and got them overturned. And uh, they do a great, he's doing a great work. I'm sure he's got a lot of people work with him. Uh, but I want to read you a little bit of this letter uh, that we got uh, today. He said, Dear Friends of Liberty, uh, in our auto versus city of uh, Boca Raton or something case, the federal court of appeals struck down po- uh, politically motivated. LGBTQ ordinances uh, passed by uh, Palm Beach uh, County, Florida. Uh, Virtually uh, identical, both ordinances banned licensed counselors from providing counsel to minor clients who voluntarily uh, chose to overcome unwanted same-sex attractions, behaviors of gender confusion. Uh, The major victory is the first in the nation and the ruling is binding on Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. Uh, This life-saving council is banned in 25 states 
about 86 local governments after our case struck down 23 local government laws in Florida as a violation of the First Amendment. Uh, Angel Colin grew up in the church but abandoned his faith. He became involved in same-sex relationships and drinking that led to drugs. He was drunk and high during the infamous uh, Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, when a Muslim extremist opened fire, killing 49 people and wounded another 53. In the stampede, Angel's left leg was severely broken and then a bullet shattered it. Medical experts estimated from the number of bullet fragments in his body that he had been shot six times. Yet in his darkest moment, God miraculously protected and redeemed his life. After Angel was shot multiple times, the shooter returned to the place where he was laying in excruciating pain. Lying on his back, Angel helped the hand of a woman next to him who had also been shot. Standing above the woman, the shooter fired another round. Her body jumped off the floor and her eyes closed and her hand went limp. I was petrified knowing what was next. I heard the shooter behind me gauging his next move. That's when I asked the Lord for forgiveness, to forgive me for my failing Him, for turning my back on Him. I wanted to be at peace with God. But at that moment, my prayer changed to prophecy. I prophetically claimed my life for the Lord. I told Him I would not leave the building dead, that I had a purpose and He would fulfill all the promises He made over my life. I knew in that moment that I was chosen and God had something big for me. I promised him I would worship him for the rest of my days. Uh, the very moment I said amen, I felt the bullet. Heat swelled through my abdomen and I was certain I was dead. But when I opened my eyes, I knew the Lord had spared me. With the shooter still firing, a police officer whispered, Is anyone alive? I raised my hand. The officer dragged me outside over broken glass. If Angel had not received medical care within minutes, he would have died. Instead, he is passionately living his life now for the Lord and reaching out with a message of redemption and hope for all those trapped in the LGBTQ web. Angel was the first survivor to tell the horroring story from his hospital bed of terror. When he later shared that he had become a Christian and Jesus had changed his life uh, and he was no longer pro-LGBTQ, Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer uh, dismissed him. Dyer and the LGBTQ active groups went to silence, wanted to silence him. They do not want to admit that people can change uh, by the power of God. Uh, so that's a pretty good story there. Amen. And uh, and uh, so there's still some uh, still some out there. And you had a part in that. Uh, when we give, we give them uh, $50 a month, sometimes more long. And uh, so you, you have a part in Matt Staver. Pray for him every day uh, because he is really, uh, he's really battling. Uh, all these uh, laws that they're passing stuff and uh, all that COVID stuff, he got a whole lot of that. Uh, he got a whole lot of that reversed. Uh, so uh, really pray for him. All right. Uh, if you got my email today, uh, I told you we was going to go back 
to the book of Ecclesiastes, which I've taught this a few times uh, since I've been here at the church, but uh, this is kind of an updated, uh, I guess, version. And uh, and I'll, it's a good book for this, this time of the year. It's a good book for Americans uh, because it's a, it's a book about uh, materialism. Uh, when you read about uh, Solomon, Solomon, uh, he was a very rich person. And as he says in chapter 2, he tells what all he had. And, uh, and it's, it's a good book. In uh, 1 Kings 11, 41, uh, it's called the Acts of Solomon. Uh, but of course here, it's called Ecclesiastes. Uh, the name of the book means the preacher or the debater. Uh, one who addresses an assembly. And we get that right out of the book uh, in chapter 12 and uh, verse uh, 9. And the Bible said, Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out except the words which was written was upright, even the words of truth. The words of the wise are as golds and as nails fastened by the master's assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And so uh, it's one who addresses an assembly. Of course, that's what uh, a preacher does. And a preacher is, uh, as it said there, a preacher is a gatherer of truth. Uh, preachers are always trying to gather truth. And not just biblical truth. Uh, truth of all kinds. Uh, that he's trying to, to do that. He's called here a master of assemblies in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 10 and 11. Now, some masters of assemblies are disasters. Uh, all has to do with, uh, you know, who's doing the leading. And uh, when we look at Solomon, uh, no doubt he's the author. We believe uh, uh, the book we hold, and that's what it says in verse 1, the words of the preacher the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And uh, so that's Solomon. Solomon's the one that wrote the book. Uh, Solomon is a, is a pessimist. And when we go through this, you're going uh, if, you, if you don't realize what you're reading, you could almost be depressing uh, because Solomon's a pessimist. And the reason he is a pessimist is because he's looking at life and under the sun. The key phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes is under the sun. He says that over and over and over again. I think maybe some uh, 12 times he says that. And he's talking about how he sees life in under the sun. And Jehovah's Witnesses, they love this book because it says some things that further what they teach. Uh, they teach if you die lost, you're just... Uh, annihilated, and that's the end of it, you're done if you die lost. And there's verses in Ecclesiastes that say that, says that, uh, says to that effect. But you have to remember that he's seeing things as under the sun. And if you're seeing things as under the sun, when you get, when something dies, it does look like that's all of it, if that's all you know. Uh, if that's all you're looking at is, is what's under the sun, it does seem like that. Now the time it was written was 1000 B.C. before Christ. 
1,000 years. It blows my mind sometimes when I get to thinking about that, that we're teaching and studying and preaching stuff that's been wrote for thousands of years, uh, yet it still works uh, because of who wrote it. Of course, Solomon wrote it, but we know God's behind it. It was written from Palestine. It's the 21st book of the Bible, has 12 chapters, 222 verses, 5,584 words out of 783,137 words in the whole Bible. And Jesus said, Man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's a lot of words. I wonder how many men you know can recite. 783,137 in a King James Bible. Uh, the tone is, uh, the tone of the book is, I'm going to tell you how I see it. You've heard people say that. Well, this is the way I see it. Well, Solomon, he's going to tell you how he sees it under the sun. And uh, the key phrases are under the sun. I perceive and I sit in my heart. Be careful what you say in your heart. There's a whole lot of difference in saying something out of your mouth and saying something in your heart. I always think about the little boy that was shining shoes back uh, in the days of slavery. And he was shining shoes and a big rich man was sitting in the barber chair and he kept talking about religion and barbershop talk. And, and the big fat man kept saying, There is no God, there is no God, there is no God. And finally, the little black boy shining his shoes looked up and said, Mister, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God, and you done went and blabbed it out of your big mouth. There's a lot of people that say they're atheists. They say it, but they don't mean it down in their heart. But there is some that are atheists. They do believe it in their heart. God says they're a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Solomon is uh, somewhat of a philosopher. Uh, verse 1 said, uh, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Solomon was a preacher, but he was a backslidden one at the time of this writing. Uh, there's a lot of them in the world. There's nothing no worse than a backslidden preacher. Nothing no meaner, uh, nothing more awful to see uh, than a backslidden preacher. Jonah was a backslidden preacher, and the whale swallowed him and he made it sick at his stomach, and he throwed him up. Backslidden preachers make me sick at my stomach. Makes me sick when I get backslidden uh, because uh, they don't need to be. And you've got to work hard not to be. Uh, there's a lot of things try to get you to go back. Uh, perhaps uh, one of the reasons that he did backslide was he began to question life. And I'll tell you, if you start questioning life, uh, you, you will backslide. If you start looking at what went on under the sun that you can't explain, you have no way of understanding it don't make sense, it ain't fair. When you see 
when you see young people die, uh, you see people like uh, Nathan got killed in that car wreck suddenly, uh, Michelle taken home early. I mean, that don't, that don't make no sense at all for the Lord to take somebody like that home and you got Bible rejectors and God-haters that live to be 90 years old. It don't make no sense. But that's looking under the sun. And you see, if we start questioning life and look at things under the sun, we'll get backslidden like Solomon did. But we have to, we have to look above the sun. We have to remember that, as this book says in chapter 3, and you've quoted it and I've quoted it, something bad happens or we can't explain. And in chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible said, uh, uh, and a time and to every purpose under heaven. So we say there was a purpose for that. God had a purpose for that. Don't know what it was. I can't explain it. I just got to trust God. Uh, I have to look above. Uh, I have to look above the sun and look at God and wait to see what He says. Preacher Vance Havener said in his book uh, that this happened to him. If you read the life story of Vance Havener, great, probably most quoted Baptist preacher in the United States, wrote a lot of good books. I I suggest getting every one you can get your hands on if you're a preacher. But uh, there came a time there in his life. He started out believing the Bible, uh, using King James Bible, believing King James Bible. Uh, but uh, he got to questioning things. He got to using other versions. Got to doubting if there's really a hell. Uh, got to doubting some things that he'd been heard all his life and he had preached. And uh, he got in a bad shape. You read his book. He got in a bad shape. And you say, well, how, what happened? Well, he come back to it. Uh, a lot of them don't. Most people that leave it don't come back. But he came back to it and, uh, and got, to, got back believing what he always preached. Uh, Billy Graham, uh, he had a, a man started out with him. I don't know if anybody here remembers him or not. His name was Charles Templeton. Has anybody ever heard that name? Charles Templeton was Billy Graham's assistant. Uh, worked with him in the Crusades, a preacher. Don't know what happened. He was the founder, co-founder of Youth for Christ. And uh, he got to trying to figure out life's events. And uh, he, he got to the place where he didn't even believe in God. And, uh, and died professing not to even believe in God. And uh, one of the last interviews that he did, uh, one of his last words was, well, uh, maybe Billy can win the world to God. Uh, but he got in a bad shape. And that's why you need church and Sunday school and and Bible reading and prayer and uh, and and Christian friends and uh, and everybody because uh, this world is a it's a crazy place. It's there's some bad things happening and there's going to be a lot worse things happening in the coming days and years. And uh, if you're not careful, you know Jesus asked the question. He said. When I come back, will I find faith on earth? Well, obviously will because the church is going to be here and we're saved by faith. But I think what it means is uh, we're going to see things worse than what we've already seen. And the worse these things are, and they make no sense whatsoever. School shootings, uh, 30 kids get killed. You know, first graders don't make no sense. 
and looking under the sun, you have to ask this question, is there even a God? If there is a God, why does He allow these things to happen? Well, uh, you can't figure it out. You've got to look above the sun. And uh, I like, I said, a revival at Muncie, Indiana. And, you, you know, you can't pray and study all the time. And I got tired of being in the room. And I walked uh, over to a Goodwill store right there by where I was staying in the motel. And they, I was piddling through their books. And uh, I found uh, this little paperback book. I still got it up in my office. And it says uh, it said questions teenagers ask God, and one of the teenagers asked, uh, of course, in the book they said, uh, "Lord, why do you allow all this evil, all this killing, uh, murdering? Why do you allow all these things?" And uh, of course, ever who's writing the book is answering back as God, and he said, "Well, said I made man, I created man in my image." And I give man the potential to do good or evil. God said, I made man in my image. I'm a creator. There, and man is a creator. A man has the ability to create some things. Not another man, but he can create things. And it says God gives people a mind, a will, a spirit. And you can use that to create good things. You can put that in God's hands and create good things. Or you can turn it over to the devil and let him do evil through you. I thought that's a pretty good answer. Uh, good as uh, any I'd heard. Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 said, Vanities of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanities of vanities, all is vanity. That word vanity, that's from the word vain, of course. And uh, you remember in the book of Judges, the Bible would talk about uh, how that they would gather uh, together vain persons. Uh, that word vain has several different meanings. Uh, it can mean people that's no good. And that's what it means in Judges. They were gathering together people that uh, were no good. And But here, in where we find it in verse 2, it means a bubble that's busted. That's what it means. Vanity, a bubble that's busted. Lots of life's bubbles of youth burst in adulthood. Is that right? Yeah, we, you know, about a, about a freshman or junior in high school, and uh, you got it figured how life's going to turn out, how it's going to be, and uh, that bubble bust. A lot, of, a lot of them do. Uh, the word vanity is God's commentary on man. Psalms 39, verse 4, the psalmist said, Lord, help me to know my end and what it is and to measure my days uh, that I might know how frail that I am. Thou makest my life as a hand breath. My age is nothing to thee. And every man at his best state, not his worst state, at his best state is altogether vanity, the Bible says. Uh, he said, help me to know my end. My life is as a hand breath. In other words, he says, my life's like that, span of my hand. So you drive through some towns and you see a palm reader there and you go in she'll look at your hand and tell you all about your life and how long you're going to live. Says she can. I always had a problem with that. 
because most of them, the grass has grown up knee high, and the old house looks like it's about ready to fall down. And uh, it looked like if somebody could tell the future, they'd be able to come up with something better than that, don't you? And I uh, used to have that uh, that woman come on the television a lot back several years ago, back in about 2000. I uh, missed somebody. I can't remember what her name was. Uh, what was it? Who? Chloe? That don't sound right. It was a C, though. It did start with a C. What was it, Cheryl? You called her all the time. <laughs> there used to be a lot of that. And uh, Brother Eddie, he come in one night and he said, I'm going to get me an 800 line. And he said, tell people's future. And he said, when they call, I'm going to answer. I'm going to say, are you saved? If they say no, he said, you don't have no future. But he'd probably get as good at it as uh, some of the others. Amen? Amen. Uh, but vanity or vain, uh, it's all a bubble that busts. When you look at it under the sun, see, when you look at it under the sun, uh, don't make a lot of sense, really. A lot of your dreams turn into nightmares. Verse 3, What profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Now here's the first of 32 questions uh, that's found in this book. We work all our life to accumulate stuff. Uh, that's what we do. We, we just work and try to accumulate, try to get more, try to get more. And... Uh, and the Bible said here, For what profit hath the man of his all his labor which he taketh under the sun? What are you going to do with it? You can't take it with you. And a lot of times, uh, you know, the stuff that uh, my wife's grandmother left to her mother was old antique stuff. And she used some of it. But when she died, we got it and Kathy got it. And our garages and buildings were filled up, and our house is not that big. We can't use it all. The younger generation don't want it. Uh, they don't want that old antique stuff. So really, it's kind of a burden you place on everybody else. And everybody's, you know, everybody's I just can't let go of it because that was grandma's or that was grandpa's, and I just can't let go of it. Uh, and we accumulate all this stuff all our life that nobody wants when we get done with it. And we can't take it with us. Job said, I think it's, I don't think, I don't think even atheists would argue with this. Job said, Naked came I out, and naked shall I return. The Lord given, the Lord taketh away. You're going out with what you brought in. Your birthday suit. We can't. We we didn't bring anything in with us. Uh, this book says over in the, I think it's the third chapter. Yeah, and this book says, as a man came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing of his labor with him. And uh, he says, uh, this is also a sore evil. Verse sixteen of chapter five. That in all points as he came, so shall he go. So the Bible said, as you came, that's how you're going. You know how you came? You came with no teeth. 
That's how I'm going. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> you came with no hair. Most of you. Our kids didn't have no hair when they was born. I know some of them do, but our boys didn't have no hair. My grandmother prophet, I just kind of felt bad about it. And she said, she said, oh, she said, that means they're good stock. When they're born without any hair, that means they're good stock. Uh, so I took her at her word. I never did push it no father check it out. Uh, but you come, you know, you come crying. Most of the time you leave crying. If you get to live to be very long. You come in, all the family's standing around the room looking at you. That's usually the way you leave out, with all the close family standing around looking at you. Well, he said, in all points as we came, uh, that's how we're going to leave. Billy Graham, I think, coined the phrase that's been used down through the years, and he may have got it from somebody else, but he said, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul because you can't take it with you. 1 Timothy 6 and 7 said, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we will take nothing out. The man who says that must be looking around. You say, what do you mean? Well, Solomon said that. He said, we brought nothing into this world and we ain't going to take nothing out. Slide over to chapter 2 and listen to him in verse 4. I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards and planted trees and them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that was in Jerusalem before me. I gathered also silver and gold, and the peculiar treasures of kings and of providences. I got me men singers and women singers, and the lights of the sons of men as musical instruments, and that of all sorts. So I was great, increased more than all that was before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remaineth before me, and whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. In other words, he said, I had it it all. But he's looking here, and he says, uh, but it's all vanity. What profit hath the man of all his labor which he takes under the sun. What's it really matter? Looking at it is under the sun. Solomon's worth was, is said to be in, in his day $150 billion. And yet he says, it's all empty. It's all vain, he says. Look at Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 4. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, and the earth abideth forever. Watching life and under the sun, we see, we see people like uh, Dorothy saw them on the Wizard of Oz. Remember what she said? People come and go so quickly around here. That's the way it is in life, isn't it? I remember my dad, I remember going in to see him one time. And uh, and I don't know. I guess he'd been thinking, meditating, or something. I don't know. But he said, uh, he said, uh, boy, something. He said, when you live old as I am, he said, everybody you know is already gone.
He said, everybody, everybody you used to see, talk to, everything, said they're all gone. One lady that was a worrier, she always worried about everything, just a worry wart. And uh, she's always worrying that she's going to die. But she outlived all of her friends. All of her friends died before she did, and her daughter came to see her, and she had a worried look on her face. She's worried. Her daughter said, Mama, what are you worried about now? said, You've outlived them all, and you ain't died yet. She said, I'm, I'm afraid they'll think I went in the other direction. I can remember my grandfather saying this. Sheila probably remembers it too, but I've heard him say this a lot of times. He'd say, well, we didn't come to stay. Sometimes we get it in our minds, that, and we all do it. We just get it in our mind, we're just going to always be here. But we're not. If Jesus doesn't come in the next 50 years, they probably won't none of us be here. Probably. Very few. Uh, somebody told me the other day, said, I, I hope you live to be a hundred. I said, I'd hate to see me in a hundred the way I look now. But I, uh, they're leaving. You know, there's one song says, uh, Caleb probably tell you what it is, but it says they're leaving every moment or two. They're leaving. Isn't that true? Uh, just pick up the paper. Um, my wife, she's got where she checks obituaries real often. I used to do that when we got the Daily Times. You know, that was the reason you got the Daily Times, so you see who died. She checks it on the phone. And uh, um, my mama used to say she looked at it every day to see if she's in there. Uh, but uh, just the other day, you know, people go so fast you can't keep up with it. And uh, a boy we went to school with, and uh, he had it pretty rough, really. He had cancer in his face and and uh, had been cut all to pieces. And, and I picked up a paper the other day and seen where he died. But I was glad. You know, I can't say this all the time, but I was glad several years ago I seen he was in the hospital. Somebody told me he was in the hospital down at the medical center, and I drove down there purposely to see him. And I went in and talked to him, asked him if he's saved. He said he was. I don't know if he was or not. He said he was. Uh, obituary just said Christian faith, Baptist faith, something like that. Uh, but you see people like that that you used to play around, play with and run around with, you know. And uh, and they're gone. And uh, that's what uh, that's what Solomon's say, saying here in this verse. One generation passeth away, another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. Now the, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses like this uh, passage in this book uh, because they use it to try to prove what they believe. They use it, but they don't use it as it says and under the sun. In other words, there's places everlasting in the Bible don't always mean everlasting the way everlasting life is. There's some places in the Bible, and we won't turn there, but there's some places like Genesis 49, verse 26, and Luke 16, and verse 8. 
It says everlasting, but it means as long as you last. And you can tell that when you read the verse. It's an earthly context. But there's other things that are everlasting that means everlasting like your eternal life. And uh, you learn that as you read the Bible through that uh, not everything means the same thing. Every time you see the word saved, it's not talking necessarily about somebody getting born again. Uh, every time you see the word baptism, it don't mean somebody getting in the baptistry pool. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of places like that in the Bible. And if you wanted to, you could take it and prove your doctrine, but you'd have to twist the Bible and take it out of context to do it. A couple of things here in verse four. Uh, the Bible said, "One generation passeth away, another generation cometh, and the earth about us forever." I'm watching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to little kids now that I preached to their parents when they were little kids, and maybe a little beyond that. You say, "What's that mean?" That means I'm about done. One generation passeth away. Another generation cometh. Now Caleb, he's on the beginning of his ministry. Lord willing, we pray God give him great ministry. But I've got enough sense to know I'm on the end of mine. I'm on the downcline. Uh, even, even if it was 20 more years, the way they're going now, that wouldn't be very long. Uh, that wouldn't be very long. And what we got to do is not try to build up ourself, we got to try to build up them that's coming along behind us. And uh, we need to realize it ain't always about us. We ain't always number one. Sometimes we've got to move over, let somebody else start coming in. And uh, that's just the way life is. And we have to realize that. Now, I'm not quitting night or anything, so don't get your hopes up, Caleb. <laughs> but really, 20 years, 20 years, Now, the first 12 years was so slow, I thought they never would pass. First grade to 12th grade was like 100 years. But then the next, the next, uh, the next, 20, the next 12, a little bit faster. Next 12, a little bit faster. And uh, it just keeps speeding up the pace. And... Uh, that's what Solomon's saying. He's saying one generation is going off the scene, another generation's coming. Every generation seems to get a little worse morally. A smart man made this statement, it wasn't me, but he said what one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in exaggeration. Oh Lord, just think about our poor grandkids. With what's going on in the world tonight, just just think about if Jesus tarries and He doesn't come back in the next in the next generation. Think about what they're going to have to go through. Will they even know it like we've known it? Will uh, Will they even live in a country like we live in? Will this country even be here? Exist like it is? Uh, only the Lord knows. But each generation has its people that that hold to the right. Wouldn't been that would have been gone a long time ago. And what those people are called 
They're called the true church of Jesus Christ. You've got a remnant of people in every generation that keeps midweek going, uh, keeps, keeps the right songs, keeps the right Bible, preaches the right thing, uh, and thank God for that. If it wasn't, we'd be, in a, we'd be in an awful, awful mess. I know that you know everybody does it different. Uh, I don't expect the person comes behind me to do everything exactly like I did it, but I do expect him to believe what we believed and use the Bible we've used and teach what we teach. Uh, but his methods and means uh, may be totally different, and that's all right. Uh, we can do that. Um, so, uh, one generation passeth away, another generation cometh, the earth abideth forever. Now, we know the earth's going to be burned with fire in Second Peter 3. We know that. Uh, that's all the outward surface. It said the earth abideth forever. Uh, God's going to make a new heaven, a new earth. In the Andalusian world, when God destroyed the first world with a flood, He didn't destroy the earth. He destroyed everything on the earth. And there's going to be a fire that's going to destroy everything on the earth. But then God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and uh, we're in dwelleth righteousness, He said. Okay, verse 5, The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where it, where it came. Everything, everything in life, uh, everything in life is passing very quick, but there's some things that abide. They stay the same. You know, uh, before I go on to that, I may mean, just think about this. It seemed like last month that we were decorating the church for Christmas. We was getting ready for Christmas. It's Christmas again. One generation passes away, another comes. My generation didn't have this. You know, from your parents and grandparents to people my age, some things didn't change that much. I grew up playing outside. We played outside. Uh, me and my sister, we used to play out in the building out back. And uh, I think she was my, what was you? <laughs> I know I cut her toe off. I know that. Was, yeah, you, that's what I thought. You was my horse, but I didn't want to call you a horse. She was, and she, we'd make them mud pies out there in that building, make mud pies, have a good time. And, uh, and I was going to chop some wood, and uh, instead I chopped her toe. And uh, fun was over with for that day. But I feel sorry for kids today, I really do. I mean, this makes me sick. Now, the reason it makes me sick is because they're wasting their life. They're wasting their life, and they ain't got that much of it. Let me tell you what I did the summertime. I stayed with my grandmother, my cousin Danny Joe. He stayed there most of the time too, Sheila and her other cousin Carolyn. But me and Danny Joe, we'd go fishing every day. 
and uh, we'd go to all the farmers' ponds around there, and we'd first of all we'd catch our minnows out of the creek, and then we'd go fishing in the different ponds all around, and we might wade the creek, and uh, we'd wade the creek. We had a minnow net, but we was in No Bob Creek. It was small, so we'd hem up bass or big old carp in a uh, in a place where they couldn't get out, and we'd run them in that net. And uh, we had a ball, and uh, we'd go down to the store down there. And, uh, Mark Rouse's uh, grandpa, he run the store, uh, Vern Beerman. Uh, they called him Big Wendy. And uh, he always sat in a rocking chair in that store, and he'd always wear bibbed overalls, and he'd have his hands in his overalls. He'd sit there and rock all the time. Now, I was talking Sunday about I ain't always been like I am. I met my cousin would go down there and I'd say, you talk, to, you talk to Big Wendy and I'll go behind him and steal some cigarettes and candy. And that's what we did. I've asked God to forgive me. We'd, we'd go out fishing. We'd fish and smoke. And we'd get us a loaf of bread and, and we'd catch a fish. We'd clean it right then. Make us a fork and stick clean the fish, put the stick through the fish, build us a fire, and we'd cook that fish, get that fresh bread out of that loaf. And I've never eaten no fish that good to this day. It was, it was good eating. But, you know, we would, we would hunt. What you, in the wintertime, my grandfather had a, had a barn that he built. It, it burned after he sold it, but... It, it, the barn had a big opening through the middle and had a hayloft up the top. And, uh, and we put us up a basketball goal at each end, which was really a bicycle rim that we nailed up there because we didn't have a real basketball uh, rim. And we took grass sacks and cut them in half and tied them with grass string to make us a net. And then we'd play each other. Because I was in school at that time playing ball anyway. I was ball crazy then. And uh, we'd play each other. Well, he went to Glasgow. I went to Byron County, so it was always, or Temple Hill, so it was always Temple Hill against Glasgow. And then, uh, and then another boy he knew, his grandpa lived up on the hill, and he'd come down. And then we'd have tournaments all day when he'd come down. We'd have tournaments all day. Oh, we had a good time. I had a good time. I thank God that I had that kind of childhood. And I really feel sorry for the kids today that they don't know nothing about that, a lot of them. They don't know nothing about it. They're missing out. They're going to they're gonna be 20 year old someday and they ain't had no childhood. Because the world and and these these phones, they've made them grow up too quick. They learn stuff. They know stuff now that you and me probably didn't know until we was 25 year old. Didn't need to know. Didn't need to know. And uh, Solomon, he's, he's talking here, verse uh, 5, The sun also rises, and the sun goeth down, hasten the place where it arose. Circuit. It's a circuit. All life is a circle. Somebody born, somebody comes into the world, somebody goes out of the world. It's a circle. Uh, 
Anybody that's ever done any hunting, they know that. They know if you jump a rabbit up uh, one place, if you just stand there and wait long enough, especially if you got dogs, he's coming back. Uh, everything runs in cycles. And, uh, and not a lot's changed about that. Here he talks about uh, how the sun, uh, the sun uh, hastens, uh, and that's a, that's a type of the coming of the Lord. Uh, you you can read about that over in the, over in the Psalms. He talks about how the sun makes a circuit. Uh, that's why life. That's why looking at the sun, it seems it seems vain vanity. Why we just keep doing the same thing over and over again? We get sick. We get well. We get sick again. You get up. You go to work. You get off. You come home. You go to bed. You get up. You go to work. Same thing over and over again. That's why life gets monotonous. But be glad that life is monotonous. You say, why? Because when, when it's not, something bad's happened. You're at the funeral home. You're not going to work. You're at the hospital. Uh, you're not going to work. Uh, be glad that today was pretty much like yesterday. That you could get up, that you could go to work, that you could do the same thing you did yesterday. But all of life is is like a is like a circle. The uh, the rain. You mentioned that in a minute. The rain comes down. You know what it's going to do? It's going to go in. It's going back up. You know what it's going to do? It's going to come down. It's going to go in. It's going to go back up. You remember that? Uh, if you wasn't here, you messed out when I showed that uh, DVD about the uh, ocean waves uh, by Theodore Elp. And he pretty much proved in that. He said, they're always saying that we're running out of water. We're running out of water. And he said, we got the same amount of water right now we had back then. He said, the only difference is God uses the rain and the droughts and the famine to judge nations. So when a nation don't believe in God and rebels against God, He puts that rain over here. Uh, the ocean, you know, the ocean, uh, it's a type, type of all of that. And so everything goes down, comes back up. Get something out. Put it in, take it out again. Uh, that's, that's the way life is. And that's what Solomon's saying is under the sun. In other words, vanity of vanity. Life ain't worth living if all you do is look at it under the sun. But if you realize that what you lay up up there, you can take it with you. The only way you can take anything with you is you've got to invest in something that's going up there. That's like missions. You'll take that with you. Why? You're investing in something that's going up there. Lay not up treasures down here on earth where moth and rust uh, and uh, thieves break into steel, but lay up treasures in heaven. Well, the only way you can get anything up there is you've got to put it in something that's going up there. Okay, you're saved. You've got the Lord inside of you. You're taking Him with you. He's taking you with Him. You got the word, he's the word's up there. See, 
You've got to look at life as under the sun. It ain't going to always be like this. Uh, someday we're going to be in a place that there's going to be so much to do. We'll never get it done. There won't never be a monotonous day in heaven because there'll be so many sights to see, so many people to meet. Somebody said, what are we going to do up there? Well, just think about all the billions of people that's died that went to heaven were saved. We get to meet them. Think about the time that we're going to have to talk to the Lord Jesus. Brother David's Jolly's mother used to sing. I'd, I love to hear her sing it. I'd like to talk it over with him. And one of these days, we'll just get to sit down by the Lord and take our turn talking to Him. And, and there's all these Old Testament people, New Testament people that want to meet. And I want to meet that little maid that won naming to the Lord. We don't even know what her name is, but I want to meet her. And that little lad that gave his lunch, uh, I want to meet him. So, there'll be plenty to do in heaven. And uh, we're just getting ready for it down here. And this is all training. This is all God molding us and making us and putting us through stuff to make us of such character uh, and such a desire. I found this out, and I'll close. I'm out of time. I found this out, especially of saved people. If God lets you and me live about 90, 95 years, 80, 85, 90, 95 by the time you've lived here on this earth that long you've had about all of it you want and you're ready to go you're not ready to go at 13, 14 year old oh no everything's before you but you get I figure it this way old brother Roy Thomas he was the first he was my first song leader was Roy Thomas is Maydale's husband's brother and um I was passing a little old church over here, and we didn't have nobody, and I was driving up and down town the streets trying to get somebody to come, and I seen this older man sitting on the porch, and the Lord said, stop, and I went up there, and I said, I'm Brother Rick Prophet, I'm pastoring General Baptist Church over here, we ain't got many people, sure like to invite you to come. I said, we ain't got no piano player, and he said, well, he said, I used to lead singing. He said, I got lung cancer now, but he said, I used to lead singing. I said, boy, I sure wish you'd come lead for me. He came and uh, led until he got where he couldn't lead no more. He was in a medical center in the hospital, and they called me and said to come down there. He was dying. I'd never been nobody dying before, not then. I went down there, and they let me go in the ICU, and I went in there, and Roy was laying there, and I froze. Uh, I couldn't even think of nothing to say. And the nurse said, you're going to have to leave. I went back out in the hallway. I was so defeated as a, about a 25, 6-year-old young man. I remember walking down to the end of that hall to medical center and looking out in the sky. And I said, Lord, I didn't do too good. If I get another chance, help me to do better. A little while, the nurse said, you can go back in for a minute. I went in, Brother Roy's laying there. I took Brother Roy's hand and I said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters for his name's sake. He restoreth my soul. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil if thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou wilt anointest my head with all the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. When I got done, Roy was looking right at me. And I never will forget what he said. He said, well, little preacher, he said, I reckon he's got me about where he wants me. few minutes, he's gone. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for your presence here. Nothing's any good without your presence. The teaching, singing, praying. It's all just vanity, like he said, without you. But I'm thankful that, Lord, your presence could be felt tonight. And uh, I pray you'd bless the people that come. Thank you for every person that upholds the church and faithful to it. Thank you, Father. Bless them hundredfold, God, I pray. I pray you'll give everybody a good week. Prepare a heart for what's coming next week, Lord willing. And we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Offering plates are all up here, I think, so you have to come up here if you've got a mission offering tonight. Any word on anybody's heart tonight before we dismiss?